0: Hello and welcome to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. It's good to be back in the saddle. Have you missed me? I have. Not a lot <laughs> to be <honest. laughs> with a very straight face Really, is good. really good, good shows the last two weeks. To talk about. We've got lot- They have been good shows. But, uh, we've got lots to talk about this week as well. Here's a taste of what's coming your way on today's racing debate. Field sizes. Everyone was talking about yesterday's field sizes from Thursday and Friday onwards. And we saw lots of small fields at lots of venues all around the country yesterday. Only one over eight at Doncaster. Only one over eight at Newbury. And none uh, over eight at Newmarket. So is it a problem?
1: I think it is, Sean. I think it is. Now, next week at York, Bayeed and Stradivarius will obviously take centre stage, but this filly,
0: royal acclaim, could just give James Tate that elusive group one. Yeah, we'll be chatting to James in the course of our programme. He took part in another programme of ours, actually, which was about climate change last year. Are we seeing the effects of that? Should we be planning and mitigating for further extremes in the future? We'll talk about that. And in a country where you can
1: still use the whip properly, the Royal Whip saw the return of Luxembourg. The Guineas third yesterday, he scraped home against a horse rated 107.
0: But Aidan O'Brien, his trainer, says he will improve by 20 to 30%, which he needs to. I thought you were going to say 20 to 30 lengths there. But, yeah, the percentage was, was right. You wouldn't let it lie, would you? We're not going there uh, this week, uh, that's for sure. Also joining us today, I'm very pleased to say we'll be Chris Wright, the founder, mm. co-founder of Chrysalis Records, a, a mogul in music, sport, media, technology. If anyone can give us some clues as to how to uh, right the ship, Chris Wright. Well, uh, more right, importantly, Sean if anyone was being
1: asked how to write the ship. Surely, that surely, surely someone they're, they're, like Chris
0: Wright were being asked. They're banging his door down, I expect. Yeah. We'll find out when we chat to him a little bit uh, later on uh, during the course of our programme. Let's start with that field size uh, issue. Just a reminder on your screen, you can get in touch. We are at, at the races and we are at Sky Sports Racing on Twitter and other social media platforms. And you can email us. We are racing at skysports.com. Um, let's put some numbers on what we started with, though, Matt, yesterday. I mentioned that. Um, runners, uh, sorry, races with eight runners or more, there, there were a dearth of them yesterday. Ripon did okay, four of their races had eight or more, but the Great St Wilfrid itself only had 14 and there was no need for the the consolation race, but how did it stack up overall? Um, no 2022, need
1: for any consolation races.
0: No, exactly. Anywhere, um, ever, Well, that's another topic. 229 runners across 34 races yesterday uh, for an average field size of 6.7 and if we go back to 2018, 2019, that was like eight and nine uh, Covid year has an asterisk next to it uh, to 2020 because there were, there were more races and lots of people wanting to run, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But generally, it looks like the trend has been a bit down. Um, although, I suppose, I, I, if I wanted to play devil's advocate, Matt, I'd say, well, th- they've never been that strong because this is a Saturday in the middle of August, uh, at, which is often a difficult time to fill races. So maybe what we're seeing is, is something approaching the normal challenges of this time of year, exacerbated by a long, hot, dry spell.
1: Possibly, but look at Pontefract today. Five, four, eight... Three five five eight. Only two races out of the seven races at Ponte with each way betting just one two three, let alone one two three four. Well, what about the all weather? Surely that's filling no, up. No, the all weather, I'm afraid, doesn't get things any better at all. Look at Chelmsford today uh, 10, 7, 6, 6, 7, 11, 10. So you've got three races with each way one two three, but only one race that gets over 11 runners so the so the answer is not and i'm not just picking i can pick out that Chelmsford. obviously we don't show but let's pick subtle. out a track we do yep. show subtle we've got five races over uh, 10 or over uh, just one race of 14. now subtle a perfect example of What I, i've been talking about the last 24 hours very quickly sean which not everyone i think completely understood but i've got a couple more seconds to explain here so what i would do at the moment is i would limit handicaps to 10 runners declared uh, on the basis you'd ideally limit them to eight, but of course, then you're going to get a non-runner and you'll end up with seven. So you declare it ten ten masses the rest get balloted out. Um, if what th- happens to them, what's your theory? Then they get dispersed to the other similar races that come that week. So the idea Assuming and, and subtle today is a perfect example. It's not going to make a huge difference, but if you'd limited today's races at Southerl to the maximum of 10, then you would save six horses. Six horses wouldn't go to Southerl today, which is not going to change anyone's lives because the each-way betting for all those races still remains one, two, three. It's annoying if you own the horse. Yeah, and then those six uh, uh, trainers or, or owners who have those horses can then put them in similar races over the next few days. Okay. And, and therefore, gradually, you eke out an equilibrium okay. of just trying to get... Windsor... You've fleshed out... I go to Windsor tomorrow. Like, everyone, I think, enjoys Windsor on a Monday night, pretty much. It's usually pretty good racing. Enjoy First race, two runners. I mean, how do you sell that? With two trainers who won't be there, William Haggis, who quite naturally will be at home looking after Maureen, who's going to come back from hospital, I think, today, and Charlie Appleby, I've never seen at Windsor, Windsor since I've been there. Um, so there are not
0: going to be any trainers there. I'm sure those two things are unrelated. You'd be I, don't think,
1: I don't think there will be any owners with those horses. There will be two stables... Two jockeys, two horses.
0: Understood. You've made your point. Um, If you've got views on that, particularly if you're a trainer or an owner uh, and you think it might work, racing at skysports.com or reasons why it won't work, uh, let me know. Now, our first guest today is a trainer Mm. who's in a rich vein of form, actually. His horses are flying at the moment. That's trainer Daniel Kubler. Trains with Claire Kubler, of course. Daniel and Claire Kubler are uh, Kubler Racing. Welcome, Daniel. Um, Congratulations on the form of the horses at the moment. They're going great, which is good. I wanted to have you on, though, because you've been tweeting about field sizes over the last week or so, and and you kicked off with a a statistic, which on the face of it is very compelling, which is the the number of horses in training about 20 years ago compared to now, which is very similar, a little bit higher now. But the number of races is radically different. There are a lot more races now than there were 20 years ago. Ergo, we've got small fields. Is it as simple as that?
2: I don't think it is as simple as that, because um, a lot of the races... That were added are in the winter and we've got a much more uh, complete all-weather winter program so there's a there's a degree that that's created some of it but simply said each horse can only run realistically so many times a year um and actually quite interestingly horses are running slightly more often than they they were running 20 years ago which you know quite often if you listen to a lot of people they sort of criticize modern day trainers that you know they don't run their horses often enough well I think this is evidence that that they probably are running them as often as they can because because there are more opportunities they're taking them. but you know it's simple maths. So if you add two thousand races and you need you know let's let's say ten runners to make a compelling race for arguments' sake, um I think the average field size in two thousand and two was eleven, and we're at, you know we were at um, around nine last year, so you know it's obvious that you can't spread the same number of horses over fifty percent more races um but you know the solution isn't as simple as just saying let's get rid of loads of races. You know you do need to keep owners engaged. They need to have um, you know reasonably good horses. Need to have opportunities to win races. Because if it's too difficult to win a race and you can never win a race, then people become disillusioned as well. You know they they spend a lot of money and nobody, you know, win. We try to buy very nice horses for our owners, and, and you know we we get some great value for some of them. But um, you know everyone sets out trying to buy a horse that can run at the highest level, and you know the reality is that that, that not all of them are going to achieve that. But you still need some races for them. Otherwise, what happens to the horses? And you know it's important that there's a program that's in depth enough for the entire horse population. Um, and creates interesting races. That, that, that um, comes to
0: one of the key points in a way, Daniel, is not it? Like, um, what are the consequences if we do cut? And, and, and William Haggis said to you, you should cut 300 fixtures rather than 300 races. That was uh, I think an, uh, an, uh, an off-the-cuff comment for, yeah. for, for rhetorical effect, we, under, we understand. Uh, but there are consequences of cutting races. Levy would potentially decline, depending what you cut. Um, and and w- once you take that step, it's difficult to, to imagine putting those races back in place where we might actually shrink the sport rather than grow it?
2: I know. I mean, I think there's examples on, particularly during the winter and the all weather, where occasionally there's a gap in the programme and, you know, trainers will ask the VHA or someone, you know, a way trainer will have a particular horse that they look at the programme and there's nothing for that horse for the next six weeks and they say, you know, can we put on a race? And quite often what happens is they put the race on and you get a decent field size. So I think one of the solutions is looking for more flexible opportunities. Um, it's also, you know, Matt's idea that he was talking about earlier there is quite an interesting idea. I mean, the one thing I would say is if, you know, we win with a horse earlier in the week, we want to plan out now, OK, where where would we like to aim it for, uh, you know, in two, three weeks' time when it's ready to run again? We sit down, we look and we have a discussion with the owner and they make some plans and they say, OK, well, we'll go to Southall. Well, we, we should, you know... There's no reason why we wouldn't get in that race in normal circumstances if you're suddenly having to chop and change at the last minute that's fine for some owners and some operations but it's not fine for you know a lot of people coming in you know they they can move it they can take a day off or they can move something around so they can go and watch their horse run Um, but they can't always do that if you know the decision's made last minute so but Danny, Danny, isn't isn't I mean I completely get that. Obviously,
1: anyone with with even half an ounce of brain can understand what you're saying. But isn't it at the moment it's just for everyone's almost got to come together for the good of the sport. If you want this sport to flourish, then then some owners might have to take a hit and not quite get their run on their birthday that they, they were absolutely anticipating. But the point is, we we're, we're I feel we're almost at that that sort of state of survival. We're just, I mean.
2: You know, I think, so I think we have to the sizes. I think, Matt, I think we have to remember, I think everyone's getting really sort of het up about these things. I think we do need a slightly level head on it all. You know, there's no doubt that COVID has had a huge impact on lots of people's um, finances. It's, it's changed lots of things for lots of people. And, you know, in 2019... There were more horses that ran. I think I think it's eleven and a half thousand horses ran in 2019, and, and it was about ten thousand in 2021. So you know, somewhere in the population, we've lost 1,500 horses um, to, that, that you know actually taken part in races. So yes, we need some sort of rationalisation the, the 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 program. But you know, we, we have got a set of circumstances. I mean, I think you pointed to Saddle having very good field sizes today relative to to other places, perhaps. Um and you know, there's a reason for that. Subtle's a big galloping fair track. The surface is um, you know, a very good surface. It rides on the slower side. Um, you know, we won with a horse last night at Wolverhampton, and he went there because really he needs a bit of cut in the ground. We were lucky a couple of weeks ago he he won at Carlisle um with cut in the ground. And, you know, ideally we'd have run in probably a slightly better quality race, but there's no guarantee of getting any um faster ground, uh, a slower ground in the next few days that would really suit him in a race that would suit him. So we went to Wolverhampton and we took that opportunity and probably some people didn't want to run against a horse that had won very impressively in that grade last time. So mm. there's so many things that interplay. Um, uh,
0: that brings us to another point that I wanted to touch on with you, uh, Daniel, from another of your tweets from um, uh, the other day, which was to do with the kind of... Uh, we're hearing the phrase super trainers, aren't we, or super stables quite, quite a lot, but the, the top end of trainers, the top... What was it? Top 10, top 20 trainers? Top...
2: Top, top 20 trainers. So, uh, yeah, the top 20 trainers by prize money in um, 2001 and 21. I took out Aidan O'Brien in both, both samples because it was, so it was British-based trainers um, because he's obviously slightly... He's bringing his very best horses over to run in very good races, but, but once you take him out, the, the top 20 um, British-based trainers who run... The vast majority of their horses here.
0: Yeah, and so what we're seeing is a substantial increase in the number of horses run by those yards. Does that mean yeah. the number of horses in- increase, or they're running them more, or does it just mean that they're so? They've got I more did a little bit of work, work on that,
2: and actually, they probably they're running them very fractionally more, but 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 not not significantly. That was the actual number of individual horses they ran. So the top twenty horses in two thousand and two ran just over two thousand, and that had increased to just over 3000 individual horses run not so so they've actually so the top 20 trainers their businesses have grown in sync with the growth of the fixture list um so i think the number of races has increased by um, i can't remember exactly what it was but you know it, it was around just under 4000 was it or around 4000 to 6000 so we've added 2000 races so we've had a roughly 50% increase just slightly below and the similar similar figures for the trainers. The issue is, is that the ordinary trainers underneath them haven't been able to keep that, that growth up um, because they just aren't the people to put these horses in training um, and, and to invest in it and do it. And, and then what you end up with is a concentration of um, big trainers um, with lots of horses, which has an impact then on, on the races. You know, we declare now, before we declare, we can see every horse that's already declared. So it would be foolish of, you know, as a trainer, our primary job is to try and win as many races as we can and as much prize money. And sometimes you have to strike a balance. Do we run in a better race where we have a slightly less chance or do we run in a, an easier race where we can, you know, we've got a better chance of winning? And, and you have to make that calculation for your owners. And, and, you know, would they rather go to this race? Does this track suit holes?
1: But, that, 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 we understand that, and that's a... I mean, I cannot have... I know some really decent people, Marcus Tregoning, who I've always thought is an absolute top bloke, um, saying this week, you know, they've got to limit trainers on how many horses. I I just cannot for the life of me think how that is a good idea. And there's one really simple reason for that. Okay, so, Matt, can
2: I just interrupt you one minute? If you're you're trying to say that... um, we should be restricting race courses on how many... I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but we're trying to say that we should be restricting race courses on how many races they can run for the good of racing.
0: Yeah, and how many horses? No, 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 I'm, I'm just... And, and, just, and, just and, numbers. and then on the
2: flip side, we're saying that... But no, trainers should be able to have as many horses as they can.
1: OK, let and me try and I explain I think it's that. a
2: discussion that's worth having. And the reason it's yeah. worth discussing is, let's talk about the, the, the 2,000 guineas this year. Charlie Appleby ran two fantastic horses, great race. How good would it be to see a rematch between them?
1: Yeah, look, I understand that. Can I just go quickly? I can answer the two points quite quickly. I'm not necessarily discussing less fixtures, less races. I'm just saying if you've only got a very small pool of runners, there's no point in having one meeting that's got three in an order 50 and one meeting that's got 14 in an order 50 You might as well say to the one with 14, you can have 10 and the other four go over. But the the trainer side of it, I think it's so... A, if I own a... Let's say I'm about to have a horse in training, yeah? And the only reason I'm having a horse in training is because I think William Haggis is a good bloke or I think Danny Kubler is a good bloke. And Danny's got, he's got his limit of 50. And I say, well, OK, well, I only want my horse in training with Danny Kubler. Well, no, you can't do that. He's got 50 already. OK, well, I'll go and have a holiday in Barbados and spend the money on that. Okay. Like, the idea that I think that's just because you can't have a horse in training with one trainer,
0: you're going to have was, it was, with was another was, was, trainer another is nonsense. Point? OK, oh, on, on that, Danny... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think there's loads of owners who've got lots of horses in training with lots of people. And, you know, ultimately, a lot of trainers, they talk about you need the scale to make your business viable. Well, if you've got a cat and you're, let's say, John Gost and William Haggis, and they've said you can only train 150 horses or 120 horses, whatever it is, and you've got people people wanting to send you 200 horses, well, you're just going to put your fees up. So actually, you end up with a more sustainable business. The the trainers underneath you end up with a more sustainable business. And what it means is that when William Haggis has got a very good horse and I've got a very good horse, for example, Claire and I, and, and there's a nice group two race or something, and it's the right race for both horses, they're going to take each other on and you get an interesting race. Now, if William's got both horses and you know, there's no criticism of William, he's going to look and say, well, I know that this one's slightly better than that one because I've got them at home. I've galloped them upside or you know whatever. And he's going to say, well, let's run this one in there. And there's that group three there uh, you know, down the road. Let's go there and let's run in that one. And I can win the group two and the group three. And I've satisfied both owners. I've maximized the prize money for both owners. And what it means is that the other people in the, the people who would have run in the group three are looking at it and they're thinking, well, Oh, the Williams horses. That's a Group Two horse, really, isn't it? Where do we run that? Oh, So we'll go for the Listed race. So now, what happens to the Listed race? No, we, we anyway.
1: understand, Danny, but I just, I don't, th- I just genuinely do not believe you can cap a racial trainer. If owners want to have horses with that trainer, surely we can't be a sport who denies. Well, it.
0: I suppose it happens in other sports, isn't it? There are limits on squad sizes and all that sort of stuff. Um, just very yeah. quickly, Daniel, just just to round off your your section, um, more flexibility w- would help. But you're you're not yet at the we're facing an existential crisis at the moment, as far as you're concerned?
2: I think there is a set of circumstances at the moment that, that result in us meaning, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, different things. I mean, the ground at the moment is very quick in a lot of places. And, you know, a lot of the clerks are doing absolutely fantastic jobs of trying to get the ground as quick as, you know, as, as safe as possible, and it's safe. It, you know, I haven't walked a course and thought, well, oh, this is not safe to run a horse, and, and, and Claire likewise. Um, and we'd always walk the course and analyse is it safe to run. Um, but, you know, it just doesn't suit every horse. And, and so you've got people sitting with horses that they would like to run if if there was some ease in the ground. So that's not helping the situation.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, just just on that, though, the all-weather races are not maximum fields. So the no, idea... No, the
0: southern is stronger It's today a bit better, but it's, no, not max, it's nowhere near no. maximum. No, no, but it wouldn't be at no, this time not of year. Not every a person horse to horse run a,
2: a turf horse on the all-weather, not every horse goes as well, and, you yeah. know, some owners aren't happy running on the all-weather, so you, you, you can understand that. And, you know, and especially the, there's not the, you know, it's, it's fine lower down, but, you know, when you're talking about a nice Class 2, 3 handicapper, yeah. there's not the, that many races on the all-weather at that level.
0: No, exactly, but, you know, and there's a lot of them on the turf uh, uh, on the same day sometimes, which we saw yesterday. Yeah. We've run out of time for you, Daniel. Uh, many, many thanks for your time. Yeah, we, sh- we should just say, people like Danny coming up with
1: this stuff He's absolutely fantastic for, for shows like this, but also for racing fans. Absolutely. And we should also say he's fine because, of course, they sold Outgate and they're fine for the next 25 years on the
0: back of that cell. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're loaded. Thanks very so much, Daniel. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Cheers, Daniel. Didn't have a chance to respond to the loaded <laughs> accusation. Not an accusation. It's a great thing to be, of course. But they're, well, the, the owners are. are. going great guns. Great guns, uh, Daniel Kubler's team. Good team, Daniel and Claire Kubler. Thanks for his insights. And we should remember... He's good. He's good. Um, these guys are the people who sell the sport to you know you're talking yeah. about do i want to own a do I, do I want to own a horse with this person or that person you
1: sometimes fight this me sean saying. but you what do you believe i don't believe you can limit a trainer on numbers
0: um, instinctively i'm against it but i can see the knock-on effects that the, the, uh, mr Cooper has just outlined and they are a material factor and we can see it. that's what's happening in that novice race tomorrow uh we will be back after this <laughs> Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Still to come, Chris Wright will join us. Owner, breeder, music, sports, technology, impresario will be joining us to talk about how we might uh, sell this wonderful sport a little bit better. James Tate, top trainer, will be joining us. Looking forward to the NunTop, of course, with his super speedy filly, Royal Acclaim. We'll get the latest on her as well. Uh, responses to our programme coming in already via Twitter and emails. On the old Twitter, um, trainer Alice Haynes, uh, why is there three meetings on a Sunday? and two being all-weather, too much racing, hashtag small fields. Well, Southern's filled up quite nicely, Alison. and some people want to race there, but Sunday is, you know, we we'll often say Sunday's an opportunity. We should be growing Sundays, but it, it doesn't quite take off. It's a day when people could go racing, but we struggle to sell it, it seems, as a...
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, on, a, on a wider point there, I feel for some time, Sean, that we've confused the whole thing and forgotten really what we are, and I completely understand, and I completely understand that Far Arena, th- this channel is, is responsible more than most for what I'm saying. But, you know, for me, there's a flat season and there's a jump season. And we've, we've so confused the whole thing by making the flat season and a jump season and the jump season and the flat season. And this country was so built for one and then the other with a break for the jumps people, nice break while they gear up for their next season, and the flat do the same, but we've intermerged the whole thing so that yes. everything has to go on all at the same time. We have. And in answer to Alice, that is why there are two weather meetings, because that's the route we've gone down. But, oh, I love those days where you knew the flat went here and the jumps went here, and that was that.
0: I'm in mean, danger of agreeing you are. Maybe we're just old, Matt. Maybe we're just, you know, rose tinted spectacles.
1: A message on Twitter from Christine, who used to grow up, who well, not used to grow up, did grow up in Durban mm-hmm. at the time of Mace Roberts when she was young. Um, obviously, still looking young on your picture, Christine. Um, uh, she said, We only had racing on Wednesdays and Saturdays, three race courses, one at a time. Always remember large fields. South Africa yes. only got TV in the mid 70s. As a teen, used to listen to the results on the radio after school. Um, I mean, it it goes without saying that less meetings will provide oh, yeah. bigger fields in it's the that, Hong Kong model. Yeah. Less can be more. I mean, it's the same with you know, if Lady Gaga performs every day in London gradually, over time, yeah. the crowds will lessen. Eventually. Gradually. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it, it just goes without saying. Yeah, but there is a sweet spot in between those two uh, models, isn't there? And, and we set have out for a long time, tracks, mind you, and Lady we, Gaga. And we have a, she would, and we have wonderful, <laughs> wonderful variety, of course. Uh, responses to your 10-runner uh, handicap cap suggestion. Um, uh, very pithy tweet from somebody called Hill uh, just says, this plan has more flaws than the shard. And I, I struggle with that for a moment. It's a pun on flaws, you see. Yeah, flaws. So, but does he say why? No, no. But no. it was a nice pun, no. so it deserves. Yeah, including. no, it's a great. It's a great um, tweet without actually I, helping. Actually, you. to be fair, the same the same tweeter does say one of the main jobs of the trainer, and probably the most difficult, is to find the correct race for the horse to have the best chance. You can't then chuck them out of the race and tell them to find an alternative. But your point, is, of course, is you'd be finding a very similar. You're doing you're doing that every Ideally. day of the week. Anyway, you're chucking horses um, out of the race. Gary is a recent. Uh, recruit to the owning ranks he's been an owner now for 18 months eight horses he hasn't messed about he's no. thrown himself into it um, he says uh, Matt makes an interesting point um, but owners are key uh, the, the owners and investment are key to the sport I feel that courses don't appreciate owners balloting out more horses would make it harder to see your horse and that's not the answer it's an expensive hobby and more important than just having a day out for your birthday you'll quote uh, but find a way to entice owners to the race courses and prize money is not the only option the owner experience um, I, I recently saw some figures at a conference about you know who's putting money into horse racing. Of course, the betting industry is putting, and punters, therefore, are putting a lot of money in. But owners are putting in a staggering amount. And we've got to, we've got to keep recruiting them and, and got to keep them on side. Uh, good luck with your ownership, Gary. Thanks for that. Our next guest is with us, I'm delighted to say. Trainer James Tate uh, joins us. And we, we've been... Well, it's been a bit there of is. doom and gloom at times, James. But we, 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 we're going to turn the sunshine on now with you because uh, Royal Acclaim... We're it. all very excited to see her. How is she?
3: She's in great form. We've had a completely trouble-free um, passage since she won that listed race at York, so um, we're very excited still.
0: Just take us, take us back a little bit, because she made her debut, of course, um, over, uh, a, a year ago now. It's worked out rather well, that race, as we, as we now know. But th- then there was a gap before her reappearance at Bath. What's, what's the story? Fill us in.
3: Yeah, I mean, essentially, we we picked her out at the Breeze Ups at Tattersall's, um, both uh, Sheikh Juma and I independently. He was in Dubai watching on the TV. I was in person at the Breeze. And we both picked her out and loved her. Um, we gave her a couple of bits of work. We ran her up at Newcastle and she won. And we thought, well, that's great. We'll go to the Queen Mary. Um, she then did a piece of work just before, a week before the Queen Mary and absolutely blew us away. And we thought, well, what have we got here? This is a superstar. Unfortunately, she was lame afterwards. Um, so she was on the sidelines for the whole of last year and then gradually obvious, uh, obviously then it turned out she'd beaten perfect power and fearby who came out to win group group one and, and listed races so um we we knew all winter we had a serious serious animal um it was just a question of getting her back 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 you know back in business on the, on the race course that explains why
0: you were i think it's fair to say quite understandably anxious before the Bath run. You were a very different man before that race and after. I was in the studio here that day, I seem to remember, and, and the, re- the relief after what you did at Bath must have been enormous.
3: Yeah, it was actually it was a really busy day at Bath. There were loads of people. They'd, they'd done a really good job at getting, at getting people to the race course, so I actually went and watched on the inside of the track where, where nobody could see me, and I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was a very relieved man. Firstly, that she'd won. Secondly, that she'd won well. And thirdly, that she, you, you know, she pulled up sound and everything was good.
0: Okay. So you've loved her since you first saw her um, in, 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 at the breeze ups. What is it? What is it about her? Um, and and how good is she? What's what's your uh, real he, take?
3: Well, people talk talk about um, horses being naturals, but we, you know, we spend our lives thinking, do they want fast ground or soft ground or held up or? Or, or this or that and maybe I could improve them by training them a little harder or a little less hard everything in terms of getting her to perform has been easy she just hasn't really um played played by the rule book she she hasn't she, she had very little training going into bath she had very little training going into that york listed race uh, and she just naturally is faster than other horses
0: well that's rather good isn't it
3: can I play James devil's
1: advocate just for a second <laughs> yeah, sure. um OK, one thing is, is in a Group 1 like the Nunthorpe, and, and this is slightly an odd thing to say when two-year-olds have a record in this race, because obviously they're slightly in the same boat, some of them, but lack of experience in a proper Group 1 for a horse who's just run a handful of times. And also, I don't want to sound mean, but are we getting slightly carried away about a two-length defeat of Mon Damage in a slow time at York where you were getting 11-bounds... From a horse who's relatively exposed, in I mean, he's a lovely handicap. We all love mom Dab, He's a right old character, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be winning Nunthorpe's. Um, are we? Is it? Is it more what this horse is still showing you at home and has always shown you, rather than just the form of the last win?
3: Yeah, I think we love this filly, and nobody else really knew much about her until she won at York, and then I think people were impressed with the manner in which she won at York. I mean, essentially, she hit the front two furlongs out, pricked her ears and, and tooled home in, in her own time under no, no pressure. Andrea didn't even think about getting the stick out. So I suppose people saw that and the fact that, um, uh, you know, she, like you say, she's inexperienced, which increases her potential. She's the least experienced horse in the Nunfall, including the, against a two-year-old who's run four times. Um, but it also... Yeah, it, you, you, you could query, you know, does she have the experience of a race like that? It's likely to be a bigish field. But all I can tell you about her as a personality is, frankly, she doesn't care about the other horses. So um, I'm not really worried about either.
1: And while I appreciate your answer to this will be you try and win one, is it fair to say that you're going to the Nunthorpe at a time when there is no massively explosive five furlong sprinter around, i.e. you might be the new kid on the block, the horse like a batash, that we're, we're kind of all waiting for in that division when the Australians aren't here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair comment, because let's face it, we would not be 6-4 to four if Nature Strip was in the race. He, he was incredibly impressed for Ascot, and if he'd stayed over in England and was running in this Dunthorpe, it, it would be tougher. I do, I do respect all the horses in the race. I mean, I thought the Platinum Queen was very impressive at Goodwood, and obviously that form got a, a boost in the St Hughes um, at Newbury, didn't it? um and you've got group one winners in there like emiratiana winter power you've got group winners from this year like Cardem and um and russell uh and um and flotus and highfield princess you, you know she, she won a group one just last week so you know it's not a, a gimme because it's an unthought that they're, they're, they're never gimmies but yes i do take your point that there is no nature strip or batash in here is there
0: no no so um It's a a wonderful... It's an exciting opportunity. You're you're quite right about the form. She's only raced a few times and and, and we'll have to wait and see. She is visually very, very exciting. Um, You took part in our programme last year, James, about climate change with Gina, who was talking about the challenges that we might face. And I I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I seem to remember you're reasonably sanguine but serious about the challenges. Um, Has this year made made you more concerned? Uh, Should we be doing more to sort of plan for the future or mitigate against seasons like the one we're having at the moment?
3: Well, I think plan for the future is exactly what we should be doing. I think it's fairly straightforward. You just look at other countries that have hotter climates than than, than we usually do and you start to put in, in measures like that. So, you know, some of the courses are in better positions. They have their own reservoirs, they're, 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 they're positioned right by a river, things like that. Um, and, um, yeah, and, you, you know, we've been pulling out, you know, we always pull out at 6 o'clock in the morning anyway, but, I mean, Other trainers who maybe have their own gallops would usually pull out a bit later. I'm sure they've been pulling out earlier and just getting used to that. Um, And then things like all weather surfaces. I mean, you can't help but notice how differently they ride in the heat as versus the cold. So, you know, it's possible that all all, all weathers will be made up slightly differently, perhaps slightly differently, different grades of wax and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, climate change obviously is here and um, we all just have to think on our feet a little bit and, and prepare, don't we?
1: Yeah. It's a really hard one, isn't it, James? Because you could do all this and next year it rains all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like just because it's hot this year doesn't mean we're guaranteed hot next year, the year after, year after. And you could change everything and organise everything and put it in place and take all your wax out your surface and then suddenly you're thinking, Christ, we need more wax. Um, you know, do you understand
3: what I'm saying, though? It's a very tricky I one. Do. I don't, I don't think climate change necessarily means less rain does it I'm I'm not a, a um a meteorologist but I think generally the the country is getting a little bit hotter mm. so I think I think if you were doing making slight tweaks to uh, to get yourself ready for you know the country being a degree or two hotter then that probably wouldn't be a bad call though. Good stuff
1: yeah. definitely hotter in my gaff last night I can tell you that much
3: Ike <laughs> <laughs> fans
1: everywhere um, James, look, for, for a long, long time now, as you know, we always I slightly joke about it now, I've been saying this is a bloke about to have a Group 1 winner and, God, I hope it's next week and we just get that out the way because he, he deserves one.
3: Hope,
0: hopefully next week, James.
3: Thank you very much. Now we're getting more nervous. The closer we get to the race, <laughs> obviously, you know, desperately hoping everything goes smooth in the next few days. But at the moment, touch wood, everything's great. So, I uh, thank you for your good wishes. Many thanks. Thanks.
0: thanks, James. James take the trainer. And we got through that whole interview without calling him a qualified vet, which uh, which are the best kind of vet, of course. And then you sport. You, don't want, end, you, don't, you sure. don't want an unqualified vet. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> both James
1: and Danny Kubler are... are intelligent people yes who look at the game you wonder how hum-
0: about the trainer caption we given his he's a he's an alumnus yeah, he, of the mark johnson yeah. academy royal Kane could be uh, the one he can't com- have coming up next Chris Wright we will have some yeah. views I'm sure on what we could be doing to promote our sport a little bit better back after this <laughs> Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Our next guest is about to join us. Your tweets and emails are welcome. Lots and lots of them coming in. Uh, I mentioned for Stable Staff actually from um, Grant, who says, just want to say, fair play to all the grooms and Stable Staff this week. You work incredibly hard all year round. I've seen so much extra care though over the past few days with this heat. And often at your own expense, we've seen those shots haven't we? Of stable Staff sharing their water with horses and I all that, that sort of stuff. I
1: was at Newbury yesterday. I was lucky enough to be there and the amount of water, I mean, Eve Johnson, Horton, Horton soaked herself. Yeah. <laughs> um, chucking buckets of water over, over Jumbie after the big for win. And I think we should give a big thumbs up to the clerk of the courses. As, as all our guests have said, I think, along the way, you know, the tracks haven't gone firm. No. The grass looks magnificent. I mean, they have done their... We always
0: complain about watering, but in this particular case, I think it's been outstanding. Real challenge, and uh, they've risen to it. Whether that will continue to be the case with all the uh, restrictions that might be biting soon, we'll have to wait and see. Now, here is an interesting tweet for you. Uh, from uh, a response to one of your tweets, I think, wasn't it, Matt? Or one of your clips from ITV yesterday. Uh, You're you, you talking about promoting the sport to ordinary people, getting ordinary people racing, and Chris Wright responded quite right. People like Emma Banks and I spent our lives working in a business where you put bums on seats, but would anyone ever ask our opinion? Well, surely they would, Chris Wright. Chris Wright, who founded Chrysalis Records, Find owned you. QPR, owned Wasp, started you, Heart Radio, brought Syria <laughs> out of British TV screens. He's a media, racing, sports, entertainment promotion guru. Surely they are knocking your door down, Chris. Thanks for joining us, by the way.
4: Oh, you're welcome. Good to, good to see you. And uh, I agree with you about the grooms right now with, with the very hot weather. What a great job they're doing.
0: But on a serious note, Chris, surely racecourse owners and promoters, uh, people in the BHA, people who promote our sport, surely they are beating a path to your door, aren't they, with your experience and your CV, or not?
4: Well, no, no, they never have, and I, I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't expect it would happen either. But um, I do think that there might be some merit in it. But I think the you know, race racing. It, it's a sport that keeps trying to get out of the straitjacket that it's been in for a very long time. And there are some initiatives and there are some people that, are, that have done a very good job trying to bring it into the, you know, the real 21st century. But it is difficult. I should make the point that all sports have evolved over the years. It doesn't matter what it is. Football evolved enormously with the start of the Premier League. All sports evolved. And the other thing is we're all playing catch-up because really every sport is a minority sport with the exception of Premier League football. We're all competing for the entertainment dollar. We're all competing for airtime. and We're all competing for the front of the back page of the newspapers. And you have to work hard to do that. And I don't think people in racing understand that this is not a given that it should happen. You've got to work at it. You've got to put resource into it, whether it's human beings or, in some cases, money. And I don't think people in racing can really get their head around that.
0: OK. Well, let's say that you do get the call tomorrow from the, the, the powers that be, and you and you sit down, you, you, you you've got as much time as you like to pitch an approach, a strategy. What what would be the headlines? What should we be focusing on?
4: Well, you, know, I, you I can't I can't solve racing problems in like 10 seconds and uh, you would have to give it some thought but what I do think is that it it needs to it needs to be managed commercially from the center it needs it needs a proper commercial group running it and looking at the fixture list and looking at where racing takes place and looking at everything like that, and figuring out with like a blank sheet of paper what you would do to try and capture the public's imagination much more than we're currently doing. That probably means hiring one person as a chief executive of that organization. And you've got to hire the right person. You'd need the right panel of people to interview that person. You have to get that person. And then you've got to, you've got to, Make sure you get the right person, but then let them get on with the job of doing that. And they will have to ruffle a few feathers to be able to get to where we want to get to. But Chris. I mean, at this point, you have the different entities running racing, but no one is running racing from, a, from an overall commercial standpoint. And I think that's where racing is, is really missing out in that respect.
1: But, Chris, we're we're slightly going back towards what the the Peter Savile plan appears to be. Although, for all of us saying that this is the great plan for the future, we're all saying it having not seen it. And if you've not seen a plan, it's a little bit difficult to say it's the future. But anyway, we're going on the basis it it appears on uh, on what we do know to be a good idea. But the problem you've got is, uh, I mean, let's give an example. Doncaster and Ripon racing on the same day. For most people, they think, well, hold on—you're taking a crowd away from one or t'other t'other or one. We won't do that. But of course, the racecourses own those fixtures. They—they've decided they want to race those days, and there's no authority that can stop them. What you're saying is there needs to be a central authority that can look at that and say that doesn't seem the best idea.
4: Yes, I, I th- absolutely there needs to be someone. Like I say, it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but it has to be done. I think there has to be one main meeting every Saturday that is the focus of everyone's attention. It doesn't mean to say there won't be other meetings, but there should be one main meeting, and that meeting should hold every Saturday a a really big handicap with a prize money of, let's say, £200,000. Let's say on the flat, it's a 0 to 110, or maybe maybe even more than that. Attracts all the best horses. Let's let's get to the point where some of our best horses that may be just short of going to stud as group one winning stallions that can run in races like that instead of going off to america and hong kong capture the public's imagination have a lot of horses that they know and they get to know the names of them because they're running regularly in races like that one week it might be a six furlong sprint the next week a mile another week a mile and a half race but always a not to 110 or not to 115 even, £200,000 plus prize money, that meeting becomes the focus of the attention that day. Of course, you have other meetings, but you you've got to try and put your meetings where the meetings need to be. And it's not two or three meetings in the same geographical area. If you're looking at Sundays, where should the meetings be on a Sunday? How about having meetings by the seaside on the Sunday in the summer? Has anyone ever thought that would be a good idea? Of course you can't do it because the fixture list is sacrosanct. But we've got to knock down some of these sacrosanct walls to get to where we want to go to. Otherwise, we're going to get left behind. We're We're getting left behind, and I don't want to say it's all terrible because there's a lot of very good, like the big festivals, like... Ascot, Goodwood, York, Cheltenham—these are huge things, and and there's not a lot wrong with them. And the people that run those are doing a pretty good job. But it's the every Saturday, every Friday, whatever it might be, get get the sport on the front of the back page every weekend to the extent that you can.
0: Some really good thoughts there, Uh, Chris, and quite a bright note to end on in a way. You 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 could be you have been involved in lots and lots of different sports all over the world, but you've chosen to stay involved in in racing
4: and. uh, you're going to stay involved presumably yes and i mean when you say that when when i took over wasps in in 1995 look at the state that rugby was in then it was an amateur sport yeah. there wasn't it was there was no professionalism in rugby they had a lot of clubs that were trying to come out of the amateur era, era. they didn't know how to do that i took over wasps in that in that in that time and together i remember. Uh, we at, uh, at professional rugby and Premier League Premiership rugby, we had a real, a real difficult job. We had battles with the RFU to establish ourselves, to establish our, our viability in the sport, and and the extent to which we controlled it. I remember Tom Walkinshaw from the, the Formula One chap, and, and Nigel Ray and myself were the panel that set out to appoint a chief executive for, for premiership rugby. We hired a, a guy called Mark McCafferty, who had worked for Hertz in Canada. He came in and he held that role for very many years and he did a fabulous job. So. You know, you need something like that. You need people that know what they're doing to go out and hire the right person. Unfortunately, in racing, too many people give jobs to like, oh, you know, we know Bill, he's a good bloke, and, you know, I went to school with his dad, and I was in the same regiment as him in the Army, and, you know, he's fallen on hard times anyway, so, you know, let's give him a chance. You You know, that's not the way you should approach this. It's got to be approached totally commercial
0: commercial approach great. a benign dictator maybe at the head of it many thanks to chris we, wright for his uh insight so. in the words
1: of blondie his great signing call me call me anytime
0: yeah, absolutely the phone is on for chris wright great to speak to, to spend the whole program with chris and maybe we'll do that on another occasion thanks to chris for his time your thoughts coming up Welcome back to Racing Debates. It's been a packed show. I've enjoyed it, which, as I always say, is the main thing. Uh, you asked people about Luxembourg and the three-year-olds, didn't you? Yes. What do we think of them? Well, we're about? going to find out more this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you're watching live.
1: Yeah, if you're watching it repeat, you'll know whether Caribous is any good or not. Um, but, yeah, Native Trail, of course, goes to York. If you're watching it at the end of next
0: week, you'll know how Native Trail got on against... The great Baid, Um We posed the question, what did you make of Luxembourg? Would you back him for the champion stakes? And Ben says he thought, right, I was just trying to get him home without, without doing too much. Better performance than it looked. Yes. Might be something he still
1: holds that. his head very high for me. But once he was challenged, the head did go down. It's worth remembering the second horse gave him £5 pounds as an older animal, but only beaten the neck. Look, uh, I don't know. In the champion stakes, Sean, he's not going to beat Baid, is he?
0: not on what we saw last time but the, the, the not always on comes to that it anything that seen. asterisk which is even the verten
1: futurity form doesn't give him the edge no, I he's wasn't. got a lot more to yeah, prove yeah. now has no, I wasn't bolted over by that
0: either but not to prove trained by Aidan O'Brien still got a lot to prove well if Aidan's Aidan. going to come 20 or 30% on for that run <laughs> um, yeah but even then doesn't
1: get him up near E, does it he? he doesn't suddenly go from being 100 and Six, seven, horse to 128 horse. Yeah. You might need to be 130 horse if by You might improve. do. Has
0: Bayed run to 130 or anything close to that? Do we Yeah, think? one to really? eight. Really, officially really, officially one to eight. What
1: are well, you saying? Really? The official handicappers have got this wrong.
0: Well, oh, you could you can make the, the case. The Sean kind.
1: Boyce handicapping <laughs> ranks. You've gone through your figures, have you, Sean? <laughs> Boy, you got him on 101. Won, one him one, one
0: Yeah. <laughs> should be running him in the Bunbury Cup. <laughs> Now, I like Bay. I think he's the real deal. But uh, yeah, oh, so a, I've just played that's Devil's up old up. statement. Thanks After for that, Sean. Job, I've enjoyed your company. Thanks for <laughs> watching Racing Debate. Sean sure likes
3: Bay.